Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. Curious to get David's thoughts on uh, the... Uh, the Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls, or I guess I should say Michael Jordan documentary. David, of course, uh, covered the jazz end of things, as you did, Gordon, during that time, and I'm sure he has several thoughts for us. Yeah, no doubt about it. I look forward to hearing about that because I don't I don't look at it and think uh, anything less of the jazz. I think that was an absolutely terrific jazz team going up against the best basketball player ever, in my opinion. And so uh, it was it was nice to have the Jazz so good. And that team was good enough to win championships in other years, just not that one, not against that guy. Yeah, right, and I think they were particularly motivated, which is something we're learning a little bit more about with this uh with this documentary, The Last Dance thing. That was Phil Jackson's theme to the to the season, you know. Let me ask let me ask you this. How gr- how great do you think that team was other than Jordan? I mean, you put Jordan on any team and they become an automatic threat. But are you of the camp that Scottie Pippen was just off the charts and and Dennis Rodman off the charts? They were great players. Um, so I don't know. We don't have an answer to that question, so it's difficult to speculate. I, I've always been kind of from the camp that Scottie Pippen was overrated, but if you look at his overall skill set, I mean, how valuable would he be in today's game? I mean, a guy that size who can do it all like that. Plus, I never really valued his defense enough, I think. So I don't know, Gordon. That That's an opinion of mine that's evolved over years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Hi, David. Damn, overrated when he scored average 20 and 5 for like 5 out of 7 years there. like 20, Or 20 and 7 with 20, 27 and 7 for like five-year stretch there yeah, in a game like and let me let me like here's the thing that i think we have to remember when we look back at all those numbers sorry i didn't mean to totally interrupt you well i totally did let's do it um so like if we just pick like a random game let's like you let's take regular season game utah chicago from 1998 that game had 87 possessions slow You got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got us, oh. David. Yeah, the, um, yeah. Go so that, ahead. That game. That game had eighty-seven possessions. So they're playing fifteen percent less basketball because it was so gosh awful and you know slow. But it means that when you're averaging twenty point seven rebounds and five assists, if you do that in our day and age, it's twenty-five. You know, add add fifteen, eighteen percent to it. Like, all our guys' numbers are all inflated because the game's so fast now. So answer the question, what would Jordan answer, uh, average in today's day and age? I mean, he was over 30, right? Yep. I mean, so probably 35, you know, 30, 30. I mean, I, I mean, I think the easy answer is you just you try to take – go take a look at – excuse me, take a look at what uh, – 
maybe you know Harden's doing for 100 possessions compared with Jordan, what Jordan did for 100 possessions, and see see how similar they are. Other than that, David, what are some of your memories of that uh, of those battles back then? I remember, and I wrote about this that Jordan, after they had beaten the Jazz in '98, he said it was it was the toughest championship to win. I thought that was a nice compliment to the Utah Jazz. Um, so, did he mean it because of the Utah Jazz, or did he mean it because of everything that was going on in that year? The way I took it was that he was talking about how difficult it was going up against Stockton and Malone. You homer. Yeah. You're such a homer trying to make the, everybody in Utah feel good when they lose it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just trying to create controversy out of nothing. Um, I mean, my memory is that Jordan was just, you know, superhuman, right? Um, and as someone who loved the game of basketball and loved the Utah Jazz, like that last shot in 98 is this like – you know, kind of unbelievable moment. You, if you love the game, you know when it happened that you were watching. And I remember being on the air and saying this. It didn't go over great, um, but I mean, it was clearly the greatest shot in the history of the game, and still is today. Like, there's been no greater shot. Like, you knew you were watching like the signature shot of the history of the game at that moment, because this was the greatest player making the greatest shot, winning another championship in what at the time was his seemed to be the last shot he was ever going to take, right? Um, I mean, it was it was really over, incredible. The other thing, I just, my memory is just the, I mean, just how big it was, right? Like, I mean, Gordon's walking on the floor at the then Delta Center, now Vivint Smart Home Arena. Like, your shoulders, shoulder, they were, players were warming up. You couldn't even move, right? I mean, it was, everyone was there. It was just, it was so mammoth. Um, you know, I was 28 at the time. I probably didn't entirely grasp like how big it was. I had a pretty good idea when Jim Rome came to town and we had like 10,000 people in the Galvin Center and when there were all the people at the airport. And we knew what we were living through was pretty incredible. I, I, and probably actually had an idea that we might not be seeing it anytime soon after that. But it was, um, I mean, it was just really, it was big. Like everything about it was so big and so awesome and the Bulls were the Beatles, and Michael was Michael, and um, and he still resonates today, right? I mean, he's just it was so great. Like I got asked by Scotty and Hands, like if this, then that. You think I was like, not as long as Michael was on the other team, they were going to win. Like that's just as simple as it was. Like as long as Michael played, they were going to win. Best case example is the Jazz had the ball up by one in Game Six in Carl Malone's hands. Like, you should win every time. And not if Michael's on the floor. And for the one time, I remember I asked him post-game, uh, how how long ago did you consider circling back when Hornacek made that cut to go get the steal? When was the first time that crossed your mind? And I think his answer was the previous year in the finals, if I remember correctly. That like, reminds me. That, that, that reminds me, David. Uh, I had made a prediction after Game One that the Jazz would win that series, and uh, I took a. Ho- uh, I was staying at the hotel there in Chicago, and David Halberstam and I were invited to appear on a, a Chicago TV uh, show, uh, Chicago Tonight. I guess it's some iconic show that they've had there forever. Anyway, we drove out together in the uh, in a cab, and we got there. and We're on the set. 
and he was honking the Bulls and, and Jordan and going on and on. And he was saying he was stuff ra- about he was, the, the, he was writing the Jordan book right then. Yes, he was. And he was he was uh, we were talking about the jazz and, and there were some points he didn't know what he was talking about. And I sort of pointed that out to him on the set while the, the cameras were rolling. And he said something to me at the end that that just might drop. He turned to me and he said, at least I'm smart enough not to pick against Michael Jordan. And. And then we got in a cab and rode back to the hotel together. And I was asking him a thousand questions because he was like a preeminent author, obviously. But that moment, what he said in that moment was so true. And it's something that I think about all the times I'm watching this MJ docuseries that I'm, I'm smart enough not to pick against this guy. He was just that good. Side note, I got to have dinner with David Halberstam during that um at Market Street Grill, or maybe the, I think it was Market Street Grill, um, and uh, that you know, in some ways, at the time, that was the highlight to me. Halberstam was my f- most favorite author. He'd written Breaks the Game, but the '50s I loved his Best and the Brightest is one of the greatest pieces ever. Um, Powers of B. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I was. It was. Uh, it was. It was. You know. That was actually one of the highlights. I mean, there were so many highlights. I mean, I have so many personal stories I can tell from that, whether it was dinners at, with Mark Schwartz and David Aldridge and Dwayne Price and just all the media. I mean, I, I don't think I slept for two weeks straight. In fact, in fact, I'm certain of it because if you actually go back and look um, during that finals, and we don't need to talk anymore about me after this, but I was doing the stars also. So I was literally flying back in between Chicago and Salt Lake every day. <laughs> David Locke is with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, if that Bulls team had remained together, given the age of the, the players, you think they could have gone for another title, another two? Good question. Michael's not very old, actually. You know, I think that's one of the misnomers um, at that point. Like, I think he's 34, not like 40. Scotty's 32. Kukoc is 29. Longley's 29. So their ages, Dennis Rodman's getting old. Ron Harper's 34 and fading. Steve Kerr's 32. Um, I would say that if the front office had decided they were trying to run it out for two more years, and so maybe they make the one or two moves to – try to get another 27 or 28 year old instead of trying to let them all run it out at that year. I think they certainly could have. And, um, you know, I think another lockout the next year, right? Yep. So, I mean, that changes a little bit of everything. Um, but I would, I would say that I, I think that, um, again, hard to bet against hard to get up against Michael and certainly, you know, had they known there was only going to be a 50-game season, maybe that's you absolutely run that group out because then fatigue's much less of an issue. About that compiling of the team and keeping the team together and not keeping it together, did you uh, did you think the portrayal of Jerry Krause was accurate, David, or do you think they were a little too rough on him? Um, so I, I think it was probably accurate. Um in that, you know, I think he 
deserve the credit for getting, you know, trading Horace Grant and doing the things to build it. And then I do, I do remember, you know, the whole concept of the whole concept of Kraus, um, and you know that there was that he was the evil on the other side. Um, the other aspect that's clear to me for covering Jordan, having read every book that's ever been written about Jordan, being a little bit of a Jordan kind of honk, is he had to always have a common enemy. That's probably why he's such a bad owner, general manager. Um, he had to have an enemy. Um, and so Krauss was his enemy. And if it wasn't Krauss, it would have been somebody else. You know, the stories of what he did to Pete Myers, you know, who knows if they're actually true, but Pete Myers was the shooting guard that started in the two years that Jordan left. And supposedly the story goes that he annihilated Pete Myers when he returned in 2000 and, or excuse me, in 1994 for those 17 games. Then when he started practicing with them again, he like, brutalized Pete Myers because Pete Myers started in his spot as though in Jordan's mind, he expected um, like them to not start a shooting guard because he needed an enemy. Um, I have an incredible firsthand story of, so 98 season, February jazz bulls. This is the same year they're highlighting here. The last dance. Uh, Cotton Crossroads Mall, if I remember correctly. And the, one of the in things at that time were those puzzles that were intermixed, like the, the pieces were like loops that kind of all intermixed, and then you had to undo them. Do you remember those? Yep. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. So the story goes, and i, I got to be honest, I mean, this is 20-some-odd years ago, and so I, I think, you know, give me some author's lie, you know, whatever that, you know, whatever the, that phrase is about Hollywood, right? Like there's some part of this where I'm kind of nervous that I might have created some of it in 25 years of remembering it. But so the story is that Jordan goes to Crossroads Mall because they're probably staying at the Marriott there at the time. And it's he goes into the store, becomes a madhouse. He said his security card comes back with the, the puzzles for him because he had then Jordan goes, no, you go back and get two of all of them. Like, I don't want one. I want two. And they're in the locker room. And remember, this is Jazz Bowl's finals reunion, huge game, and we're in the locker room. And he hands them to Scotty Pippen, hands one to Scotty Pippen before, and says, like, let's go, me and you, let's see who wins. And Scotty wins and gets it puzzle done first. And then Jordan brings the next one out and hands it to the two of them. They do it again, and they do the third one, and Pippen wins all three. And now Pippen signals the security guy over, and this is how I know the first part of the story. He says, how many of them are there? And... And he says, there's four. So they're on the fourth one. And Pippen gets us to, like, circle around him so Jordan can't see him. We're all scared of Jordan at this point in the locker room because he's, like, just so mad he's losing. Pippen stops trying because he knows no one's going to ever warm up if he loses this again. Like, Jordan will find something else. So Pippen intentionally loses. Jordan wins and gets it says, I win, walks through the media, gets in Pippen's face. I always own you. You are my beep. I always destroy you. You always quit. And walks away. Hmm. <laughs> right? like, so, ho- like, holy cow. Yeah. 
It's maladjusted, man. I remember, t- and I wrote, I included this in a, in my column that's in the paper today, that uh, talking to Sam Smith about Jordan, and he said Dennis Rodman might have a personality disorder, but Michael Jordan has a com- a competition disorder. And he said right. if he if he hadn't been so successful, it probably would have become a real problem for him. But it's it, probably it'll be interesting to see how they are able to portray that. Um, and if you go back to that game, by the way, Jordan scores 40 in that game. Pippen plays like 24 minutes. Like, Pippen's just – and I, it, it kind of relates because Pippen's just coming back from that injury. Um, I'm actually wrong. It was December 2nd of that year, not February. Um, but Jordan – Pippen's just coming back. So, like, Pippen's just coming back from this knee injury they're talking about and just starting to play. He actually even comes off the bench in that game. So it's got to be, in retrospect, like one of Pippen's, like, early games back probably that he's – playing that game and and yet you know that's it's not welcome back it's let me remind you of who we are in the level like it was crazy david in in all your years of covering sports and whatnot how often have you run across personalities if not at the level of jordan because he was off the charts but how often do you see this in top level athletes um well, I mean, I think universally, right? Like, that's what... I mean, I think what's interesting about LeBron is that most people like to play with him. Kobe either had this personality or tried to have this personality because he was trying to be Jordan. But nobody ever wanted to play with Kobe. Horace Grant and I were in Seattle together. Horace Grant, maybe he'll change his tune today, but I'll promise you that. Like, I was like, Jordan, Jordan. I want to hear about Jordan. He's like, you know, biggest jerk I've ever been around my whole life. Mm. Um, so... I mean, I think that's somewhat universal, right? That they, you just aren't, you know, I mean, he's, Mailman's far better adjusted at this point in his life than he was at that point in his life, right? Like, when we dealt with Carl all the time then, he had to have these mysterious, like, remember? I mean, we used to get the phone calls from Carl. Who's saying I lost a step? We're like, nobody. Nobody's actually even thought anything of it. You averaged 34 points and, like, 14 rebounds last year. Like, no one's actually thought you lost a step at all. I need to be on the air right now so I can talk about all the people who think I've lost a step. Like, Right? I mean, you remember this. This was like mm-hmm. these, like, we used to literally have, like, a running, almost official poll, totally official poll, in the side of the, up by the building in 1320K fan that said, you know, what date everyone guessed Carl Malone would call the show to complain about people doubting him, right? Like, <laughs> we, I mean, we may or may not have had that. Like, you know, and it's like, and no one doubted, no one doubted him, right? Like, I mean, so. I think all those guys have that, like, a little bit. And that's what makes them great. That's why, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's what, you know, it's what Shaq, Shaq has that a little bit. Kobe had, like, these guys are all great. That's, like, listen to the Kevin Garnett stories, right? Like, Kevin Garnett sounds like the most interesting, hardest-playing, greatest teammate ever in the history of the game, if you listen to all these stories. But they're not all pleasant. Well, David, we always love it when you have a chance to drop by, and definitely was uh, uh, eager to get your take on the college or the uh, Michael Jordan documentary. And we'll get into some more jazz stuff a little bit with you next week. We um, all would have sat there for ten straight hours, right? Oh yeah, watched it the whole way through. So far, it's really good. I, I hope we get a little more into who Michael really is, but I don't think we're going to get that. Why not? Um. Well, what is it that you're looking for there? Having read every single book ever written about him, what is it you're looking for? 
Uh, do you really have a sense you you know who he actually is, or do we know what he's built himself up to be? You tell me. I haven't read that much about it. Oh, I think it's really. I don't think he's built himself up to be much of anything. Or we have built him up, or the marketers, or Nike, or whatever. Well, I think the marketers have built him up, and if you've paid attention, then you know exactly who he is. His Hall of Fame speech is all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It was telling. I will say that. It, it, it makes me wonder when I when I read about that sort of thing. It makes me wonder whether whether even with all the success he's had, if he's still voracious, if he's still wanting, left wanting. You know, if he's he's still got a little bit of that misery thing going on with him because he, 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 he he's really successful, but he hasn't conquered he hasn't conquered the world. You know. But this is the thing I think that's unfair to people like that, and I can think of some other people who I interact with a lot that people do this too, where they start asking them to be like normal people. They're not normal. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if Michael's happy. Okay, well, then Michael's never going to be happy. Like, there's no chance in life with, that my, Michael couldn't have been normal. Like, that's not who he was. Like, that's, call it, you know, you whatever, it's competition disorder, whatever it is. Like... You know, I mean, I'm around some people that are like the smartest people I've ever been around in in my life, and I love being around them, and they're so inspiring. And then, and their brains are totally different. And I listen to people say, "Well, they really need to learn to relax." I can't relax. Like that's a totally like that's a normal person thing to do. This person's brain is like the most incredible thing I've ever been around. Well, by definition, that means it doesn't stop. That person can't relax. That's an unfair. That's putting your label of the world on somebody else's whose whose brain competition, whatever else, is one in a million. And that's what we, you know, when we're trying to like ask who Jordan is, like, sure, Nike tried to build one model of him, but who he was is really obvious. Like, who he was was yelling at Scottie Pip. Like, you know, again, I'm like nervous that there's parts of that story. Like, couldn't have made that up, right? There's like, it's such a bizarre story. There's no way. So, you know, did he really, were there four of them? Were there three of them? You know, all those little details. I'm not sure I totally remember exactly right. But the story is they're an hour before tip off in one of the most important regular season games, and he is screaming at his teammate words I didn't use on the air because he lost a puzzle contest? Well, thank you. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's wild. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Thank you, David. We appreciate you as always. See you, guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us each and every Wednesday right here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll have more coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.